Anybody else's mouth watering right now? Want a snow cone? We can just leave right now. Are we good? Everyone satisfied? Yeah. We can go? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. If you do not know me, I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. My name is Chase Courtney, and I am privileged to be the high school pastor now here in 1910. Super excited about that. The only problem with this is that I do get confused with high schoolers, not so much middle schoolers. And so when I go on school campuses, it's not always the most fun because I get my phone taken up by teachers because they think I am still in high school, but I am very far away from high school at this point. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Um, it's going to be awesome what God is doing and how he's kind of shifted and readjusted some things um, within even our staff that I'm really excited about. Um, as Pastor Chach already said, Pastor Jason and his family are at Pine Cove this week, and so be praying, be praying for them to come back refreshed and stronger. Um, man, it's going to be an awesome, awesome week for them. Um, today, we get to uh, begin our series for the summer called Snow Cones. Everyone say Snow Cones with me. Snow Cones, there we go. Everyone loves a good snow cone, right? If you don't like snow cones, you may have a little bit off. You're a little off or a little weird. And when I'm talking about snow cones, I'm talking about the good snow cones, the shaved ice, not just the, the hard crushed ice, right, that like breaks your teeth, uh, but the shaved ice that just melts in your mouth. It's good. It's just, uh, it kind of just hits the spot on a hot summer day until you get the sugar rush or the brain freeze. Um, so here today, this morning, we want to give you guys a gift. Some of you probably tried to play the lotto last night. You weren't so lucky there. But this morning, you may have a better chance. We have about 20 vouchers, snow cone vouchers under seats right now. So right now, I want you to just go ahead and take a look and see if you are lucky this morning. If you're watching online, we had a team of people go into your house last night and put some under the couch. So if you want to take a look under there. Anybody get them? Can you scream? Can you scream if you got some? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Any more than that? Let's go. We got a little woo back there. Awesome. Hey, you won yourself a free snow cone at Miss Sandy's place right by the river. She will take care of you. It is awesome. Hey, this summer, we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you to consider areas of your life that will refresh your soul. We know that snow cones can be really refreshing on that hot summer day. So what are some areas in your life this summer that God wants to refresh your soul? So over the next nine weeks, we're going to actually be breaking down the words snow cones by each letter and talking about something specific that can refresh your soul. So today, starting with the letter S, of course, we are talking about salvation. Everyone say salvation. Now, before you tune me out because you've been a Christian for 40 years or 20 years or 10 years and you know everything there is to know about salvation, I would challenge you to understand that God's word is living and active and it always is relevant to us, right? That no matter how long you've been a Christ follower or if you're distant from Christ right now, that there is no relationship, it's relevant for every single one of us because his word is living and it's active and it's always speaking to us salvation and tonight this morning i'm going to be talking about that salvation is the plan 
and grace is the method. And I'm going to pray here in a second, but just know that once I'm done praying, we're going to watch a video that really talks about this grace that I'm going to really be talking about this morning and the fact that grace is God's method that he uses. So God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are in this place and you are here to transform lives. So Lord, we ask you in this place to be, uh, to be evident, God, to touch every heart, God, those that are far from you and those that are close to you. God, as we speak on salvation and grace, God, I pray that you would overwhelm us with that grace. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I want you to get the picture as you leave today of this thing that we call grace. And we're going to get more into that as, as we go. But salvation. Salvation, when I think of what salvation is, this plan of salvation for us, I think of this phrase, to be rescued. Everyone say rescued. It means to be rescued, right? To be rescued. You see, the most fundamental yet incredible way that our soul finds true life is only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. You can literally seek everything in the world to satisfy your soul, but Jesus is the only thing that's truly going to fill it. Everything else is going to leave you empty at some point. Have you ever wanted something or wanted to do something because you thought it would satisfy you? Come on, raise your hand. Have you ever just wanted, you just had this like craving to do something or, or just have a relationship with someone because you just thought it would satisfy your soul, but it left you empty, right? It left you broken. Um, this is a very small, minor story that I'll tell you compared to this overall theme of grace um, and, and having our soul satisfied in something. But um, I remember when those Segways came out, right? Long time ago now, like, I always wanted to ride one. Like, for some reason, I just had that desire as a, uh, I don't even know how long they came out, a long time ago now, to ride one of those Segways. I still have never ridden one before, but then the hoverboards came out, right? We all love the hoverboards that, you know, we just, our technology nowadays, it goes from, like, we have to have you know, bikes where you have training wheels and all this stuff. And then the Segways, you, it's kind of kind of cool, but you still have handlebars. And then we go to the hoverboards where it's like, I don't have to do anything with my hands. I get to, like, text, right? As students are riding their hoverboards, they're still taking selfies and texting because they have to have their hands for that, right? Um, and so I always had this desire since the hoverboards came out, like, I want to ride one of those. Ashley, I've got to get one. I've got to ride this thing. I've got to see. It's almost like just this, this craving this, uh, in me. It's like, I just want to get on one, see what they're like. Uh, I got that chance to uh, about a year, a little over a year ago. Um, one of our small groups uh, were happening in comfort on a Sunday night. And I went out there, and lo and behold, they had hoverboards out there, right? It was like the cool house. They had a pool, volleyball net, and a bunch of hoverboards inside. And so all the students are like, woo, I can do whatever. They're like spinning, going through the house. They're like dodging rugs and couches and all this thing. And I'm like, well, I've always wanted to do this. It's something I've always just had that desire to do. So I'm getting on one of these tonight. I'm doing it, right? And so what happens is I, I get on it for a little bit. I'm doing really well. I'm like, I'm feeling proud of myself. I'm feeling confident. Um, we, I get off. We end up eating, doing our small group. And afterwards, I mean, like the whole small group, I'm thinking, I can't wait to get back on that hoverboard, right? Like the youth pastor who's supposed to be like, like all right, God, we're going to open up God's word. Like I get in the back of my mind, I'm like, I just want to get back on that hoverboard. That was sweet, right? And so afterwards, after the Bible study, I decide, well, Ashley, you can give it a try. And so the whole time, all the kids have their phones out because they think Ashley's going to bust it on it. 
And so I'm like going behind Ashley. I don't want her to hit her head. Like I'm like, but she did awesome. And so I tell her, all right, your, your turn's over. I'm getting back on and I'm feeling confident. It's something I'd always want to do. I'm just going to continue with my hoverboard routine right now in front of all the students. Thankfully, they put all their phones up. They weren't recording me because they thought I was good. I get on the hoverboard and I start spinning and I'm like, I can't stop. <laughs> like, I really don't know what's happening, but I know I can't stop and I'm going to fall. And so, and this, the, the floor inside is all concrete floors, beautiful concrete floors. And as I'm spinning, I start to, you know, just spin out of control a little bit. And lo and behold, the hoverboard hits apart the edge of a rug. And all of a sudden, in a split second, like I, I had no chance to even react. My face is on the concrete floor and there's blood everywhere. And I, my arms were like behind my back. I didn't even have time to like put my hands in front of me. And all the students are like, do I laugh or do I like ask if he's okay? And so there was kind of like in between of like, <laughs> I don't know if he's, and I, I got up thinking that I literally did ha I didn't have any more front teeth. Um, just cause I, I didn't even want to show people. I was like, I, I'm good, I'm good. And there's blood everywhere. Thankfully, I was good, um, other than my entire inside of my mouth being split open. It was awesome. Um, but it was in that moment that I had this desire of, like, I want to get on a hoverboard. It's going to satisfy me right now. And it went from that to immediately, I will destroy every hoverboard I can ever find. <laughs> because that was no longer a desire. It left me empty, and it actually left my mouth wide open. Right? And it was not fun it did not feel good, and my pride was hurt really bad because um, I had a bunch of students looking at me. But we live in a world that can offer us so much. If you're rich enough, if you have enough a drive in you, you can usually try anything in the world to try to satisfy your soul. But can I tell you this morning that Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy you? Absolutely nothing else will satisfy you the way that Jesus satisfies you. So what are we being rescued from? We, we talk about this thing, salvation. Why, why do we need to be rescued? We know that many years ago, there were two people named Adam and Eve, and, and they had one job, and that was just to walk in community with God, right? They had one job, stay, stay in community with God, and we know that, that something went wrong, and that community was, was broken, and there was a curse of sin placed on humanity, right, that we are all obligated to be under, Right? Because we are humans, we are under that curse of sin in our life. And what that curse says is that, that imperfect people can't come before a perfect God, that unholy people can't have perfect community with a holy God. And so we needed an intervention, right? We needed a rescuer to come to our rescue. We needed a man named Jesus that, that many of you have heard of. Maybe we've all heard of him, but have you really been rescued this morning? Have you really allowed this man named Jesus that paid the ultimate price? Have you allowed his grace to rescue you from your sin? Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says this, God saved you by his grace. Everyone say grace. He saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. You see, guys, grace is a gift that costs everything to the giver and nothing to the receiver. Grace is a gift that is given to those that don't deserve it, that barely recognize it and hardly appreciate it. It's grace. Grace is good. 
And that's why God alone gets the glory in our salvation, right? Are you with me? God alone gets the, gets the glory and the reward for our salvation because it's by grace alone. It's not by our works. Grace puts us all on the same playing field. I, I love this picture that, that, you, that we're all on the same playing field when it comes to salvation, it comes to grace. When it comes to Jesus, no one is better than the other. Right? You can't be smart enough to gain his grace. And the good thing is, is you can't be dumb enough to lose it. Right? You can't be rich enough to buy his grace, and you can't be poor enough to lose it. You can't be good-looking enough to gain his grace, and you can't be ugly enough to lose it. Right? That's a good thing. We are good. We, it's all level. The, the playing field is level because his grace is based on him it's based on his love and his goodness. It's not based on our works and our striving. It's his grace. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He loves you. He loves you. He's passionate for you. He cares for you. Like a gift, the only thing that we can do with grace is to receive it. It's to receive it. Romans 11:6 says this, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. You see, in the end, grace means that no one is too bad to be saved. How many of you would say an amen to that, right? No one is too bad to be saved. God specializes in saving really bad people. We can look at all these heroes of the faith in the Bible that we read about, and we, we, we tend to read all of their amazing stories and their, their feats and their, their conquering nations, right? But we forget sometimes to read that they are just normal people that mess up, right? We, we read about Moses, and he brings millions of Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Yet, did, we know, did you know that Moses, before that happened, actually killed a guy, ran from God, and then when God called him to, to his purpose, Moses had the audacity to say this God that can do anything, God, you can't use me. I've got a speech problem. Can you find someone else? And God's like, really? I I'm God. I think I can handle your speech problem. I, I think I can raise up people to help you around you. It's grace. We look at a, a woman named Re Rahab. As they're entering the promised land, Rahab was, an, uh, was part of the, the army that was, or part of the people that were against the Israelites, but God had given the Israelites the land, and so God sends spies into the land of Israel or into the promised land, and Rahab, an enemy of the Israelites, actually brings in these spies and hides them, and God counts her faith as righteousness, right? It's, it, it's grace that God uses broken people. Do you have some things in your background or in your life that you may be ashamed to talk about with other people? Maybe some things that maybe you're struggling with right now. Maybe things you struggled with in the past. I think we all have things that we struggled with or maybe you're currently struggling with. But guess what? I, I'm here to tell you this morning that God's grace is stronger than your sin. God's grace is more powerful than your sin. And God's grace can break every single chain in your life. God's grace can bring salvation to you. He is a rescuer. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid growing up in church and going to Sunday school classes, and, and really, uh, for the longest time, I remember when I, heard the when I heard the word grace, what I thought about was this kind of like this sweet, smooth, kind, 
uh, beautiful butterfly rainbow gift from God, right? You know, that's, it's grace. We, we sing amazing grace and all these amazing songs about grace. Uh, but many times we forget to think of grace as violent and as scandalous and as the, this, this powerful movement of God that is undeserved. Are you with me? It's so easy for us to think of grace as just this very pretty put together thing. But how many of you know that grace, if it's really grace and it's, it's really meeting people that don't deserve it, grace is forceful, it's violent, and it is scandalous. It's like unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Grace is different. As the video said up there, grace, it, it hates the converse. It's the sin of us. It, it comes against our sin. This morning, you need to know that grace does not just forgive your sin, but it's come to destroy your sin. Grace is not just the, the pat on the back, you'll do better next time, kid, you'll, you've got this. Or it's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card, like, I messed up, God, can you just, I'm just going to say this prayer to ho hopefully you forgive me, and then I'll probably mess up again, because there's no real heart change there. Grace is literally called to not forget, not to just forgive, but to destroy sin as well. Has grace really entered and destroyed sin in your life? Or is it simply just a forgive me card? You see, there's a, there's a man in the Bible whose life became the epitome of grace destroying sin and salvation refreshing the soul. And it's a man named Saul. Everyone say Saul. We know that, that Saul has this encounter with God and his name turns to, turns to Paul, right? And so I'm going to read a few scriptures out of Acts 9, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll skip down verses 17 through 19. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the rest of any followers of the way or any followers of Jesus that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The story goes on that, that Paul actually becomes blinded by the light in his encounter with Jesus and he... He's led to this city of Damascus, and then God, out of just, just pure, because God can do this, and he's just cool and unlimited and miraculous and mysterious, God calls another man into the city named Ananias, and he says, Ananias, I want you to go to this street, to this house, and you're going to meet a guy there named Saul. Yes, he's the one that's been persecuting and killing all the Christians. Have fun. I'm calling you there. I'm calling you to meet this guy because I just encountered him and you're going to bring salvation to his life. You're going to lead him into this place. And so verses 17 through 19 is where we pick up. It says this, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. What an amazing transformation. 
What an amazing story of this guy named Saul that literally persecuted and killed Christians. And in one moment, he became a new creation. He became Paul. And ultimately, Paul lost his life. He, he actually lost his life for his faith in Jesus. Talk about a 180, uh, a dramatic change of, of what God can do and what salvation does to the human soul. God redeems people. Many of you have had stories of God redeeming your past and redeeming your life, and you've turned around 180, and your life is dramatically different. You see, God redeems the most impossible of people, and guess what? God also redeems the prideful people that think they're perfect and got it all together. God is a redeeming God, and salvation is his plan. This morning, I want to talk through real quick four things that salvation does for us Number one, salvation identifies you. Salvation identifies you. You see, when God, God recognizes where we are and, and where our current position is, but he knows that he wants to bring you there, right? He wants to bring you into this new place, this new creation. And when you say yes to Jesus, you actually become a new creation. How many of you are excited about that? Yeah. You become a new creation. Your old life is gone. The new has come. No longer under a curse of sin, but we are called sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. I don't know about you, but that excites me that I used to be chased, this, this, this person that was so selfish and self-centered and wanted what I wanted when I wanted it, under this curse of sin, but no longer am I that. I'm a son of God, right? A new creation because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. He allowed me to become part of the family of God. And I, and I just got this picture just randomly in the, in the middle of first service when I was preaching, and I, not in my notes or anything like this, but I just got this picture of, of adoption, right? That we are adopted into his family. And, and, and kids that are adopted here today, they didn't have to earn their adoption, right? They didn't have to go through all these hoops and like try to do all these great things and strive for a family to adopt them. They're adopted out of love and compassion and the goodness of those that adopt them, right? And it's the same in our, in, in our spiritual walk that we are, we are far from God under a curse of sin, but God adopts us into his family, not by what we've tried to do or gain his attention, but it's simply because he loves us and he wants to bring us into the family. This morning, are you adopted into his family? Are you a child of God? Secondly, salvation transforms you. How many of you know that you should look different from before you were saved to when you're after you're rescued, right? There should be a difference in your life. There should be a dramatic difference in the way that you live, in the way that you think, in the way that you, you communicate with people and, and your relationships. Salvation transforms your life forever. From Saul to Paul, there was something different, dramatically different. Is it all about the outward things? No. But I want you to hear this this morning. If your heart is really rescued, then the inward condition of your heart will eventually impact the ex outward expression of your life. If you've truly said, Jesus, I want to follow you, I, you are the Lord of my life, then guess what? That heart decision will eventually impact the outward expression of your life. You should look different. I should look different than from before I said yes to Jesus. You should look different.
from darkness to light, from darkness to light. I was in Beaumont um, over the weekend doing a wedding, and uh, as I was up, up on the stage doing the wedding and officiating, and I kind of looked off to the right, and I saw one of my, uh, I saw one of my good friends from middle school, and I uh, hadn't talked to him probably since 10th grade, um, which was a long time ago. It wasn't just a few years ago, if, you, if that's what you're thinking. But it was a long time ago, and so it had, been, it had been a long time since I had talked to this guy, and I was excited because he was there, and I was like, I'm going to hang out with this guy, catch up with him. And as I talked with my friend Josh, who I hadn't talked to in 15 years, as I talked to him, there was this moment of, like, realization because the last time I talked to this guy, I was not a Christ follower, and my life was different. I was on the other side of where I wanted to be and I'd actually gone to parties with this guy I'd actually seen this guy and this guy had seen me in different settings that probably were not honorable to God and it was this cool moment that he kind of he obviously realized my life was a little bit different because I was a pastor that day officiating a wedding and so he kind of was like what happened what's your story and I got to tell him that after I was a senior in high school in that summer, God radically changed my life and he transformed me. And there was this cool moment of just, he kind of got to see the old chase, the new chase. And it was so fun to get to talk to him about that and what God had done in my life. Thirdly, salvation impacts others. When God rescues you and your life is transformed, like my friend Josh, people will take notice. People will see that there's something different on the inside of you, right? That there's something that has grabbed your attention, that's grabbed your heart and your passion. Christ followers in here this morning, is your rescue story impacting others around you? Is your rescue story impacting those around you? You see, I have my friends and obviously the movement and working of God to thank for my salvation because that summer after I graduated high school, I was getting ready for college and my friends went to a, a church conference in Pensacola, Florida called Branded by Fire. And these are all the same friends that I went to church with, we, we played the religious game with, but on the weekends or during the week, we were just like everyone else and we went to the parties and we did our own thing. These were the same friends, and that Sunday morning, it was July 7th, 2003, every single one of my friends got up in front of the congregation, and they held a mic, and they began, every single one of them began by saying, I went to this thing because, well, it's the beach, and it's cool, I want to go there, and there was going to be girls there, and every single one of them, before they were done, were weeping and crying because God had radically changed their life, and I sat in the very front row with our youth group. I sat right there and I watched every single one of, my, one of my friends come up here and just weep. And I knew in that moment God was moving on my life. I knew in that moment that what they had experienced in Florida, I was not going to get left behind. I wanted the genuine. I wanted the authentic. I wanted the encounter that they had. And in that very moment as I sat in that seat, God's love and his grace came in and saved me and destroyed sin. Addictions in my life that I had that morning were literally gone that day. God radically saved my life as I sat in a chair and I listened to other people's story of how God rescued them. And so Christ followers in here, is your rescue story impacting those around you? Are you telling your story? 
Tell your story. It's too good to pass up. It's too good to keep hidden because your salvation is meant to impact others as well. And lastly, as we wrap it up, your salvation refreshes you now and forever. You want a refreshment for your soul this summer? Receive his salvation. If you have his salvation already, if you've already been rescued, walk in that salvation every single day, right? It's not just a one-time decision that you just pray a prayer and then you go about your life. No, it's, it's me getting out of bed every single day and saying, God, I say yes to you again. I say yes to you again. God, my yes is louder than anything else in my life. My yes to you is my top priority. I say yes to you. You see, God wants you to thrive now. God wants to see you grow now. Your salvation is not just so when you die, you have this, this eternity with heaven. We know that's the ultimate destination. And we patiently wait for that day. But guess what? We're still breathing. We're still here. We're still alive. So what are you going to do with the salvation that God's given you now? Let it refresh your soul. And as the band comes up, so we're going to get back into worship here for a moment. I want to read this scripture I just want to read it over you this morning, and I want it to refresh your soul. I just want you, in fact, can you close your eyes all across the room? And as you hear this scripture, can you just let it refresh your soul this morning? Can you let it speak life into you? It says this in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, it says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Friends, this morning, your sins have been forgiven when you say yes to him and you receive his grace. But know this, he also purchased your freedom. So that living in this life right now, the chains can be broken, that you can live in peace and joy and love and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. It's there for you. But you have to step into the water to fill the wave. You have to step into the water to fill the wave. For those of you that are Christ followers already, the challenge goes out to you this morning. Continue to step in the wave. Continue for his grace to overwhelm you and live that out every day. But for those of you that haven't stepped in the wave yet, today we believe is the day of salvation. Today, we believe, is the day of rescuing. And we challenge you to step into that wave. Can you stand up this morning? And we're going to spend just a few moments in worship. So here's what I want us to do. Can you just, if you feel comfortable with this, can you just lift your hands all across the room as we get back into this worship? And can we just declare his goodness this morning? God, you are good. You are good. And God, as we surrender ourselves to you, as we lift our hands to heaven, as a, as a sign of surrender, God, would you be evident in this place? Would you tug at the heart of every single individual, God, that knows that they need to jump in the wave of your grace this morning? God, maybe they've been far from you. They've been far from you, God. But this morning is a new day that today is a new day. It's a day of salvation. It's a day that they become a new creation, that the old is gone. God, let us walk in that this morning. 
Come on, let's just spend a few moments in worship to him with our hands lifted high and our voices loud, crying out to him.